Welcome to the Radical Global Marketing Podcast. In each episode, we go deep with the world's leading international marketers and discuss the ideas and processes that make their global marketing strategies a success. Let's get radical. Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of the Radical Global Marketing Podcast. I'm Stephen, and every episode I'm lucky enough to sit down and spend time with prominent marketing professionals and leaders from around the world. Today's another great conversation, as I'm joined by Matt Field, Chief Marketing Officer for Eventum Group. Now, the Eventum Group is a global reassurance group that operates in both the underwriting and broking sectors. Currently operates in 15 locations around the world, constantly seeking to nurture and grow relationships, design, develop and launch on parallel specialist schemes and facilities, and always looking to make insurance better. Matt's going to take us through his journey as a marketing professional, his current role and how it fits within his business and industry in just a second. But first, a very quick message from our sponsor. As ever, the Radical Global Marketing Podcast is produced in association with Brandigo China. Brandigo's team of local and international marketing talent has been helping multinational brands achieve marketing success in China for almost two decades. This is founded on the unique, radically relevant China marketing methodology built on insight, creativity, and flawless execution across multiple China marketing channels. To find out more about Brandigo China and how they can help your brand meet your China business objectives, visit brandigochina.com or contact the team via email and social media, and we'll put all the links in the show notes. Matt, good morning. How are you doing? Well, good afternoon. Where are we are, Steve? Good yeah, afternoon for you. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Where am I? What time is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having me on the show. Looking forward to it. No, me too. I'm a little bit jealous because I know I've got you for an hour, but you're you're dashing off somewhere this evening that's quite close to our hearts, and I've not been able to get there for a little while being based in China. That's right. I'm dashing off to to Anfield, so we've got uh, Leicester City in the in the League Cup tonight. So high hopes that we get a pass through to the next round. So let's hope so. I get shouted at for talking about that too much, and none <laughs> of the guys in my team understand the word I say. We'll we'll cover that in a minute. I'm. Really appreciate your time. I was really excited when you said you'd do this. I think um, you've got a really interesting journey. I think the sector that you're working in at the moment is really interesting and not something we've covered yet. So I'm looking forward to getting into that in just a, in a minute. To kick things off a little bit, would you share a little bit about your career journey today? I'm interested to just the progress, the journey that you've taken to become CMO. Yeah, so I guess it's it, to sum it up, it's probably not a traditional path. That, that Everyone most CMOs, says that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic line. But um, no, I, I mean, it's not one that I would see as traditional, but I'll, I'll kind of take it back to to being 18 years old, which feels like quite a long time ago now. But um, yeah, like most people, I got to the end of my A-levels, didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. So took a year out and then saw all my mates having lots of fun at university and decided that that's <laughs> what I wanted to go and do. But like, as I say, most people that age, I wasn't really sure, you know, what my specialism was going to be. So Decided to uh, go for the generalist route and did a business management degree. Tag sport onto it just to keep me interested. So, yeah, did a, bit, a degree in business management and sport at Manchester Metropolitan. And then from there, probably got to the end of my degree and wasn't, again, really too sure what path I wanted to tread. And kind of fell into set multiple different sales roles over a period of time. So sold everything from something that puts a blob of ink in the corner of an envelope, being a Frankie machine working for Pitney Bowes. Uh, I sold medical equipment and eventually. I guess my first interaction with what I guess you'd see is more the marketing side of it was working in the print business. So I was dealing with a lot of a lot of different agencies and in-house teams, supporting them with print. Unfortunately, it's a trade now that's um, not as buoyant as it was back then. But um, and then I guess, well, 
12 years ago, I made a bit of a career career change away from print. I've been in that industry for five years and fell into the insurance industry, which I think in, well, in the 12 years I've worked in insurance, I've only met two people that are brave enough to say that they left school with the intention of deliberately with <laughs> the intention of working in insurance. But yeah, everyone that works in the industry seems to say that they fell into it. But yeah, I mean, it, of all the industries I've worked in, I absolutely adore it. Yeah. People say the subject matter isn't the most interesting, but it's the people that make it. And, and that's so true. So, yeah, I um, I spent five years with a business as sales and marketing or head of sales and marketing. And that was, I guess, the first responsibility I had on the marketing side in terms of looking after it. Predominantly, it was more sales focused at the time. And then took up the same role uh, when I joined Eventon Group, which at the time was called Direct Insurance Group. Again, prim- primarily sales focused when I first joined them seven years ago. And as the business has grown, I mean, just to give a bit of context, uh, back in in 2016, when I joined, we were 30 people working out of an office in London with a small office over in in Billericay in Essex. Um, And seven years further down the line, we're now 400 people, 15 offices globally um, and controlling about 1.5 billion in insurance premium. So it's been one hell of a ride. But uh, yeah, it's... um, and, and I guess I reached a bit of a fork in the road probably four years ago now. Um, so the growth started to really accelerate in those first three years. And it got to the point where we really needed dedicated focus on marketing and not having been from a classic you know, marketing degree background. I was faced with a bit of a decision. It was either keep going with that sales career that I'd built over a number of years or do I pivot, take the, the more risky approach in many ways, I guess, of um moving full-time onto the marketing side of it. And for me, it was it was a difficult decision at the time. But that said, marketing was, it really piqued my interest throughout the time that I'd have an, had an involvement with it. And, I, you know, I guess that was the, the tougher path to tread, but I don't regret doing it for one minute. You know, I, I thoroughly love what I do. I guess having only been full-time on it now for four years, I'm still learning a huge amount every day, whether that's from you know, the team of 10 that we've got internally or whether that's from other career professionals across the industry, LinkedIn, et cetera. It's, um, no, I absolutely love it. That's fantastic. I, I It's fascinating, I think. Um, coming from that sales background then, it must have quite an influence on how you approach the marketing. What are the, the age-old debates that you, you've, you know, the industry's been having for years is sales and marketing needs to work together, but the reality is sometimes they'd be quite pulling in opposite directions, not seeing the value of each other, competing for budget sometimes. It must give you quite a unique perspective on that in terms of how you approach that, having come from that sales background. Is that a fair comment to make? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the benefits I get now is that when I work with the sales teams across our business now, if any of them, when the numbers are starting to dwindle a little, little bit, turn the heat onto marketing, <laughs> I go, don't worry, Ben there, worn that hat. It doesn't work for me. Now, listen, I think um, I think the two things really do complement each other. You know, ultimately, if you look at a sales function, well-performing marketing teams sitting behind them are going to just going to supercharge what they do. But equally, a business that's well marketed without the relationship side of the sales of it is not going to achieve the goals either. So it, it kind of really does need the, the two coming together. And a lot of it comes down to culture. You know, if you work in a business that's very siloed and the sales team work very independently of marketing and don't really engage, then you're going to get that. I think you get that sort of culture where the blame culture effectively, where one yeah. side will blame the other. You know, marketing will say, well, they're not really giving us enough insight to be able to create thought leadership content and that sort of thing. And then equally, you get the sales guy teams, as I say, just turn around and say, well, we haven't got a brochure or we haven't got, you know, all of the assets that we need to go out there and do our job. And so 
I guess is it does give me a, a reasonably unique perspective being been able to bring that equally. I guess what it does do is it means that I need support in areas where, for example, I'm not hold my hands up. I'm not one of the most creative people in you know in our business, even let alone in the team. And so it's great to have support and being able to build a team around you of people who have got the creative skill set, have got those real, you know, that unique ability to be able to look at something and create something absolutely brilliant off the back of it. And I think what's really important to me is the fact that our CEO, you know, a lot of CEOs don't invest in marketing, you know, they'll they'll do the bare minimum. But he to have a team of 10, I often get told by other people in our industry, God, you've got a big team. And I just encourage them not to tell our CEO that. So hopefully you won't listen to this. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, he really invests in it. He understands the importance of it. He understands the value that it delivers. And even so much as I sit currently on the executive committee uh, within Eventum Group. And if you look in our industry or in, in, in the market, wider marketing industry, full stop, marketing is underrepresented at board level for sure. And and I feel very privileged to have a seat at that level and to be able to get early insight from fellow directors into what's the strategic direction and how can we then get behind that, support that and deliver that message. So, um, yeah, it's great. It's quite like I said, I think it's a really interesting sector. I'm just thinking about you you mentioned you have the team of 10. But we also mentioned at the top of the show that you're working across way more locations now than you were perhaps when you first picked up the role what's been some of the challenges that have come with that and and what's been some of the opportunities do you do you look to market in different territories are you focusing on one pacific territory in terms of what your tone of voice is and things like that is there any differentiation between the locations 100%. yeah that was a big um, long so- question but i think you know what i was trying to get at. No, I mean, the first challenge is in time zones, right? Because it means yeah. early morning calls or late night calls. But no, on a serious note, we, um, yeah, so, so all of the marketing does feed back into London where the business is based. I'm actually based up in, in Cheshire, so work remotely. I guess that, I mean, the marketing team as a whole is very used to working remotely anyway. I mean, the 10 of us are spread in every corner of the UK. And so we're all pretty used to working that way. And that, and that then obviously means that when we're dealing with our international offices, so we've got offices in the US, in Bahrain, just opening up a couple more offices, which I can't yet talk about, but really excited ah. to do so <laughs> in the in the middle in the Middle East as well, and which is going to be really exciting. And I think probably the the most important thing is to understand the culture in those areas, and you only get that by really engaging with the people that we've onboarded that successfully there, and that are setting up these offices and launching these new niche specialty insurance lines that they're getting involved in, and and they're the people that can feed that into us because you've got to be look it's like anything really your audience is it's so important to get a deep understanding of that audience and that extends to the culture and so it's really important that we understand what is really going to resonate with people in the different regions and how can we really stand out but also be mindful and respectful of the culture that exists in those regions already so yeah yeah that's that's been key fascinating um, I want to talk, we'll, we'll come on again, I want to talk a little bit more detail about the business itself and, and the marketing for the business in in a little while. Um, we've done some work with financial services and it's one of those sectors that's, that you face lots of different regulations about what you can and can't say. I don't know if insurance is the same in terms of how it's regulated from a marketing perspective as well. So I'd like to touch on some of that in just a second as well, because I think that's really unique. But just from your from your own personal perspective as well growing a business or or joining a business and growing to a team of 10 that's got to be something that you've been particularly proud of what are any other sort of standout moments for you personally 
I think, um, yeah, I mean, look, just to touch on the team, um, it's it's quite right that I shine a bit of light on them. So, if, I mean, if you look at the makeup of the team, we've got some outstanding creatives. So we've got three creatives in the team from a design perspective. You have them work, working in-house, you got the creative team. Yeah, so they're all in-house. That's yeah. quite interesting. Um, yeah, so all our the only thing really that we we go outside of the business for is web development PR. So we work with a really really good um, PR consultancy that ex- have existed in our sector for some time. Very small outfit, but we're never going to, in a short space of time anyway, be able to recreate the relationships that they have with Trade Press and the understanding yeah. of what they do, um, and they're outstanding. But yeah, when I look at the team itself, um, yeah, we've got three three creatives, soon to be four. We're just um, interviewing for another at the moment, particularly with motion graphics abilities because you know naturally things have started to move more that way we've got a content writer who's just phenomenally talented a lot of that responsibility used to fall on me and it's not i would definitely say it's leveled up somewhat since then and she's just brilliant at telling a story so yeah yeah she's made a real difference to us studio manager and um, keeps the keeps everything moving and make sure that we've got that resource availability uh, we've got a brand and marketing director, April, who's just, again, phenomenally talented. That's where a lot of the creative comes from um, that, that is definitely lacking in my part. And then we've got three marketing execs because the business is kind of set up into three verticals and they each take responsibility for one of those verticals, deliver on content strategy, content plans. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, I feel very lucky that they, they all work really, really hard. But most importantly, we get on, particularly given how far spread we are, we get on so, so well. I've just come off a, um, a team's call with all of them where they were all pitching ideas on a new welcome pack for our new employees. I mean, we've, we've grown at some rate. I think we've, we've onboarded 100 new people in the last 12 months. Wow. So they all went away and we've had a Miro board together with them all coming in, almost doing a bit of a Dragon's Den pitch as to why their suggestions, their ideas are, should be taken forward. But we had some fun along the way with it as well. Um, so, yeah, really fortunate to, to have that. But in terms of other highlights, really, it's just, I mean, for me, it's just, sitting back and just seeing the change in the business in seven years is just it's phenomenal growth but importantly never at the sacrifice of the culture we have you know the 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 ceo is frustratingly a month younger than me but we (laughs) operate in a marketplace where it's awash with private equity investment and people that ultimate focus is on the shareholders and not necessarily the end client and um to to have the freedom uh, and you know and i certainly don't lack with things when it comes to budget for things like staff parties we just had 300 people at a nightclub in east london that we basically took over we branded the whole thing so we branded amplify which is our, our party brand for the for the business and a lot of that comes back to there's a real race for talent in the insurance market as there is in a lot of global markets at the moment yeah. but was at an event last week and somebody said that 50 percent of the london market being the sort of center of the insurance um insurance space is due to retire in the next 10 years and that's a real frightening statistic you know mm. so so there is a real onus on businesses now to how do you go and attract the right talent how do you importantly attract new young talent coming into the industry and and so we see it as real priority certainly from a marketing point of view is how do we a maintain that culture and make sure that our internal comm strategy is really really on point but also how do we then spread the word and make sure that 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 everybody external to the business can see it and and see it as an aspirational place that they want to come and work so so one of the things that i've really enjoyed when i was doing the research for the show obviously i'm looking into the group a little bit i'm looking into your brand assets your website and your your social media channels and things like that and i think one of the things that really stuck out for me is i love the brand that you guys have created that you've that you've developed i think the brand imagery is really striking your tone of voice is really innovative and and modern um the color palette your vi really differentiates you from 
similar businesses and, and competitors and stuff like that. So I got to congratulate you on that. And that all ties in as well to that, you know, you talked about staff recruitment, but that ties into the staff retention, I think, a little bit as well, kind of having that place that people are proud to work for and the outside world seeing it in that way too. I get I, what I'm trying to say is I think you seem to have developed a really strong brand over a short space of time. Um, what was the process behind that? What was a little bit of thinking behind it? So, yeah, I guess, I mean, the direct, the direct insurance group brand that existed previously dates back to 96. But, I mean, the business has significantly evolved over then. So, you know, it's it's moved from being what was a business that dealt with our basis to now being predominantly wholesale. And so we kind of felt that the direct name didn't really fit that. Okay. And so, yeah, we rebranded to Eventum Group back in May 21. And the, the, I guess the starting point for that really was doing some research across the group, trying to get some common threads of what what do people feel about what we what we do and how we do it best and you know there was a real feeling of entrepreneurial spirit of discovery of people that were willing to to take risk and to to go and explore new territories and move into new lines of business etc and so when we started looking at brand archetypes it was pretty clear well in fact it was it was incredibly clear that we fitted the the explorer archetype and i think what's what's really worked well for us was that we've we've tried to you know i think consistency is key if you look at any audience that's dealing with any brand, they have to trust it. And people don't trust a brand that, that hasn't got that consistency and, and constant tone, you know, in the way that they deal with everything. But yeah, so we, one of the things we did particularly well that we're quite proud of is just not taking inspiration from other people within our sector, but actually looking further afield. So if you look at some of the real, some of the real people that come to the, to, to the front of your mind when you think of the Explorer archetype, it's people like North Face and GoPro. But then even other businesses outside that, you know, when we look at what we do on social, we try and push that and, and try and be very different from our competitors. And people like Gymshark do a great job. The content's very varied. They like to push the boundaries. And so that's something that we've really tried to embrace at Eventum as well is, you know, let's let's create a brand that has a lasting legacy that really embodies everything that we do and, and the personality within the business. And as you say, one that can make people A, want to join us, but B, also stick around as well. So, you know, yeah. that, that's that's really important to us. Well, congratulations, because like I said, I think you've done a great job from that. Was there sort of one eye on the international growth when you developed that brand as well? Is it, is it something that you found helps resonate? You talked about kind of working with those overseas locations. Now, I guess the brand has to resonate with them as well. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the sub brands that we've got across the group, the other thing to mention as well with the, with the name and the name didn't half cause us some pain over a, a long <laughs> period of time, just trying to get that bit right, because we had we've we've got other brands within the group that have got a latin do you want to go again with the doorbell going there yeah so we, we've got a number of other brands within the group that um yeah and you, you're quite right in terms of the international place so if we're we've already expanded into the us some time ago we've got offices now in in, in the middle east and asia and and so and that will just continue i think you know i think the number of international offices that we open will definitely increase over time as we look to book local people on the ground dealing with local people and the event and brands really been an accelerator for that direct insurance group as a name doesn't really roll off the tongue and you know whilst it served as well for a number of years eventum's really given us that platform to go and move into these new territories have a clear consistent message about how we do business and who we are and what our culture is but also be mindful as i said a lot earlier on be mindful and respectful of how people how people's cultures are in those different regions as well really cool okay to that because i've got some specific questions about how you how you you guys manage that as a challenge um just before we move on then more to focus on on, on the work of the business um that rebrand's got to be one of your proudest moments anything else that stands out for you 
Um, so I think we all love a bit of recognition, right? And I think this is not recognition for me, but recognition for the team. We um, So we won the marketing campaign of the year B2B at the Insurance Times Awards last year. And to have the oh, team fantastic. present. Congratulations. Yeah, Thanks. thanks. It was, and, and it was just a real good recognition for the, for the team, really, because they put a, a lot of hard work over a number of hours throughout that rebrand process and they can all be quite rightly very proud of the of the role that they've all played and coming together collectively to deliver it so yeah that was a real proud moment because I mean we were up against whilst we've grown to reasonable size now we're still some way short in terms of size of the likes of Aviva and people like that that we're up against that are multi-billion dollar organizations so for us that was a real real feather in the cap. That's fantastic congratulations okay so what I'm interested in just to to kind of move into now today role of the CMO within the group and, and how it fits within, within within what you do. And then I'm interested in just hearing what some of the challenges are for you as a business and what some of the opportunities are as a marketer now moving forwards too. So why don't we begin with that kind of what's what's the day-to-day job, if you like? So it, I guess it's um, it's evolved over time, really. So, I mean, I, um, when I first took the marketing role on, I was uh, marketing director. I then decided that I should probably, after, as I say, after having a year, years and years of sales behind me, go and actually get some marketing qualifications and sense check that I do know what I'm doing. And uh, so, yeah, so I went down the. Um, <laughs> That's overrated, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, yeah, so basically, I got a level six diploma in professional marketing, so with the Chartered Market, uh, Marketing Institute, and then, yeah, then managed to get that step up then to chief marketing officer. In terms of the day to day, I guess it's changed somewhat more quite recently. So since we brought in the three senior marketing execs who've taken responsibility for those three verticals, it's been more of a leadership and mentorship role and also then just taking lead for the overall strategy from a marketing perspective. I guess when I first came into it, it was a lot of day to day getting really involved in approving content, looking at content schedules, content calendars, etc. But now it's having that trust in the team who are all, as I say, collectively brilliant, extremely proud of them. They 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 go away, put their plans together. And it's, it's then just about providing that mentorship and the leadership behind that. And then delivering the overall results, I guess, to Exco level and taking insight from the board in terms of what strategic direction, you know, do we need to pivot? Is there a new market we need to appeal to and how do we need to do that? And just put, having a real awareness as when an organization's growing as quickly as we have done, it's more just making sure that I've got early insight into into where we're heading and what we're doing so that I can make sure as well that the team's well resourced to go and deliver on that strategy. So that you kind of nicely summarized both the opportunities and the challenges in that <laughs> description there as well. Um, so, so what's next? What what do you see coming up as the next big thing from a marketing point of view for the business, or or just marketing in general, or marketing in your sector? So, I think, um, uh, well, I guess there's a few different ways of looking at this, but I think in our sector in particular, and this is, this is probably, you know, not meaning to come across as as too disparaging as some of the work that's out there, but there are some that do a phenomenal job of marketing. But for a number of years, people relied on using city skyline shots of of London mm-hmm. and. We did a bit of competitive research a few years ago, and actually it was amazing how many brands really stuck to blues and greens, you know, even just looking at colour palettes. But I think for us, in terms of pushing it, it's one of the things that we do with the design team is really encourage them to go and be really brave with what they do. And it's a lot easier to dial it back than it is to keep trying to encourage someone to push further, push further, push further. And so it's looking at, as an example, we did some real disruptive stuff at a conference this year at Bieber, which is our so the flagship insurance conference in the UK. And we, we employed a team of free runners 
dressed them in suits because, you know, insurance has got this tag of being a little bit male, pale and stale in many ways. And again, we're challenging that from a gender perspective that, you know, the business is almost 50-50 in terms of gender split, which is great. But we, um, yes, we got this team of free runners. We dressed them up in suits, but then we had this is not usual. Sorry, this is not business as usual. This is Eventum. I'm screen printed on the back of the suits and they went doing some tricks outside of the conference venue until they were politely or otherwise asked to move on. So, yeah, it really is about, and, and a lot of that comes back to the personality of the CEO. You know, he's he's not been afraid to to ruffle feathers, tread on toes and do things a little bit differently. Um, so whilst we need to be respectful of people, it's also like, how can we really go and push things to a new level and be a bit bold and be brave? Because ultimately that points back to that explorer archetype that we talked about not so long ago. So, um, yeah, so for us, it's about how can we take what typically could be to give you another example, actually thinking about it, we a lot of businesses do the town hall style, you know, employee conferences where you have your, your employees sit in a conference hall and they get told by the CEO, you know, how they should feel about the business rather than being able to make their own mind up and how they should all work a little bit harder to make that CEO a little bit richer, perhaps. But <laughs> um, yeah, our, our, our take on that last year was we, we actually branded the conference there to discover. We did it in a theatre in London, in a, in a sorry, in a cinema in London at the Barbican. We injected a huge amount of humour, audience participation. People got branded popcorn on the way in and ice creams halfway through. And it was really trying to take what could be seen, I guess, as a very typical insurance conference. And how can we put our own stamp on that and actually uh, own it and make it our own and, and make it fit the culture of Eventum? So, yeah. So for us going forward, it's, it's very much about taking things that are done in a what could be perceived to be a normal way pushing it, stretching it, and and how can we really also reflect that event and explorer archetype all the way through it? That's fantastic. Fascinating. And I'm looking forward to seeing seeing where that goes. I've also got questions about how you brand popcorn, but we'll we'll cover <laughs> that in just a second. Matt, before we wrap things up, we'll inc- we'll include notes and in, we'll include in the show notes all links to your social media, events and group social media and things like that. This is always a good opportunity just to plug anything else that you or the business has got coming up. If if somebody wants to get in touch, how can they get in touch? You got any conferences or events that you want to give a mention to? We can link to them now. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, in terms of the, I mean, obviously the group website is eventumgroup.com. If people want to get in touch with me directly, it's matt.field at eventumgroup.com. In terms of the, the opportunities, I guess, I mean, as I said before, we are very much looking for in talent. And that doesn't need to be people that are, classically insurance trained have worked in the industry for a very long time it could be people that are looking to make their first move or make their first career move in insurance and I can certainly say with my hand on my heart that it's not what I expected it to be it is a fascinating industry it's a fantastic industry to work in you'll meet some amazing people along that journey as well and I I can never ever see myself until I retire I'll be in the insurance industry for sure um in terms of conferences and events, I mean, they're all, we attend many globally that are all tend to be quite specialty, but yeah, it's really, I guess, about just keeping your eye on the event and brand, hopefully watch our evolution over time. And as I say, if anybody wants to get in touch, you know, Eventum's on Instagram as well. And you can also follow our, I'll give a bit of a nod to a future star who is related to our CEO. It's our CEO's son, Ollie Behrman. Um, he's, he's our sponsored driver in Formula 2 on the Ferrari Academy. Uh, so he's a Ferrari Academy wow. driver. And we've got big, big hopes that he is going to move up to Formula One in the not too distant future. Um, he's he's had a phenomenal rookie season. He's the youngest driver on the grid in Formula Two this year. Had a number of wins along the way. Probably, um, I and mean, I've not had this confirmed for sure yet, but he's probably got another season of F2 behind him. And then let's hope F1 after that. 
phenomenal kid, great talent, and uh, he's been a real good ambassador for the business. He attended our staff party uh, last week, got up on stage, said a few words to the staff, and to see him grow, watching him on that journey from being in single seaters at the age of 14, 15, and he's just yeah. fearless. And again, he embodies everything that we do. So yeah, keep your eye on Ollie Behrman, a British driver who potentially could go all the way to F1 as well. Although I suspect if he does get that far, that the event and logo on the car might need to be a little bit smaller than it is now in F2. So. <laughs> yeah, I think the real, the real estate on the helmets and the cars tends to be a little bit more expensive. Just a little bit, yeah. Level. We'll all have to work a little bit harder so that we can afford that bigger <laughs> logo, yeah. But it's uh, no, it, it's great to be affiliated and associated with Ollie too. So. Matt, that's been fantastic. I really appreciate giving you time up today. It's been a great chat and you would be. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Thanks for having me, Steve. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Radical Global Marketing Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed making it. Join us next time for more insight, best practice case studies, and shared experiences from some of the world's most radical global marketing leaders.